we have been uh, praying for Bill, as you know, uh, over the, the last uh, few months, and it is really an honour and a pleasure and a joy, Bill, uh, to have him standing amongst us. He is living proof of answered prayer, isn't he? Um, and he is um, uh, wanting to minister to all the CFC churches uh, by the end of the year, uh, now that he's well again, and we are uh, praising with Bill and, and thanking the Lord for his recovery. So let's um, let's give a hand to Bill and thank the Lord for him being with us as he comes to preach. Thanks, Bill. What a joy uh, to be here. Um, I'm so happy to be alive. And uh, uh, it really is, uh, I haven't experienced uh, such amazing joy in my life for quite a while. And, um, and when Adam was leading us in that prayer, that was really well thought through. I like a prayer that's well thought through and full of faith. And I'm naming just not just one, but half a dozen people and praying. But uh, uh, one of the things that, that hit me was the power and the efficacy of the prayers of people that we just take for granted. And I'll pray for you or you know the church, but, but when you go through a exceedingly dark time, when, when you are really struggling, I tell you, the prayers of God's people carry you along. And I've experienced that. And so uh, um, I've come here today to firstly to say thank you for your prayer support. And I received a beautiful card from a whole stack of you that were wonderful thoughts and, uh, and I've deeply appreciated that. So um, this is the first church outside of the Seton congregation that I'm visiting and I've been back for a month. I've been on sick leave for, oh, I don't know, seems like a fair bit of the year. In fact, I was supposed to be here every three months. That was the deal, wasn't it? That after we, we appointed Sam, I'd be coming every three months. Well, it's been nearly a year, but it's a joy to be here with you and to share. and. Uh, um, I'm just so, so thankful uh, for your prayers and, and support during uh, my illness that uh, I went through. And uh, uh, for those who, who are in the club that I've joined recently, um, those who have uh, battled with cancer and understand uh, what a difficult road that can be. And uh, you really... Uh, you know, you've got your family, and, and that, my family were magnificent. My wife was my nurse, and she's a nurse educator at Flinders University, and so when I was diagnosed with this illness, it, that week she started a long service leave. I was going to be her patient. So uh, I, I said to, to Kat, I, I think I was a terrible patient, um, but she said, no, no, you were good compared to some of the old boys I have to deal with. So, uh, um, but... Uh, yeah, she, she was fantastic and my kids uh, were great. But I think um, you, you realise that, that there are times where, particularly when you're confronting, uh, you don't know what the end result's going to be. And so I've basically had life-saving surgery. Uh, 12 months' time, if this wasn't diagnosed, I would have been sick for a couple of weeks and cured over and died. Um, so thankfully it was, and I was quite crook for about a year, and not knowing what it was until a whole battery of tests and, and, um, and that. So I'm just so thankful to God for the gift of, of, of medicine. It's like, it just dawned on me so much that, you know, God wants us well. God loves to heal. 
God loves to counteract evil and pain and suffering. The Garden of Eden had none of that. Heaven has none of that. This earth is full of it. Sin, darkness, sin, sickness, death, all of that stuff. And, and so our God of love and compassion has provided means of healing, the prayers of people and the gifts of medical science. Um, so uh, um, I'll say to a couple of people, these days they can x-ray you and know everything that's happening in your body. And uh, so your MRIs and PET scans, CAT scans, you know it was a Christian that invented those? A young man, young boy, who was doing his PhD in New York City. He was uh, an Arminian uh, named... Uh, Raymond Dalmatian, you can check it out. He invented the MRI machine and he's doing his PhD. He got saved at the Billy Graham crusade, 1957, I think, in, in New York City. And uh, the Lord popped into his head. He says it was God, the idea of magnetising cells so they can stick out and you can photograph them. Because, you know, x-rays were one thing, but it goes, I wonder if we can... We can x-ray organs and everything on the inside and all the tissues. So he came up with this idea, crazy idea. Let's, let's, let's magnetise them, get a huge magnet, magnetise them, photograph them. And people said, you're crazy, Raymond. And he built the machine. It's in the Smithsonian in Washington. Threw his assistant in there to test it, not himself. And it worked. <laughs> and he's transformed internal medicine. And, uh, and so today, like for me, they just checked me right out and they found it. They totally found a cancer. You know, my wife thought it might be pre-diabetes or something because I've, you know, she said that medicine ball here, Bill, you're not feeling too well, it's really pre-diabetes. I've got all tested, all kinds of, to my heart, I did everything and I was fine and great. I'm being, well, I'm fitting well. And then they came back and said, come and see us. We think we've seen something that we don't like. So uh, I'm so thankful then with all the tests and that, uh, they're able to locate it, get the knife out, cut the thing out, <coughs> and a whole pile of fat around it. And um, I said to the doc, I said to, uh, he was a funny guy. I said to him, I said, I said, look, I said, I'm sorry, I said, but I'm, I'm a bit overweight, you know. And um, he goes, it doesn't look too good. I lifted up my shirt. He goes, that looks good. You ought to see it on the inside. Because you guys give us a lot of trouble to go through all that stuff. And, um, and he, uh, so I've lost 12 kilos, but it's all gone off my arms and legs. And now I'm trying to lose another 12 off here. You know what it's like when you're in your 60s. So if you're in your 30s, lose it now. It's harder when you get older. Isn't that right? And all the old boys and girls said, yeah. that's true, yeah. So look, I'm really thankful and I'm rejoicing that uh, uh, God has brought me through it. And... Um, and so there may need to be some secondary therapies in, in the next few months. We don't know. We just have to... I'm in that club where every few months I'm going to have to be tested and they stick me through machines and that'll be my life for the next 10, 15 years. But, uh, but I'm happy. I'm really thrilled and delighted to be back uh, serving and ministering. And uh, so I hope I can add some value to you today in my message. And I want to share on the thought of we are made in his image. And when you are in a dark valley, or as David said in Psalm 23, the valley of the shadow of death, you have to find your safety in, in God alone. And uh, so my thoughts in this message are centred on knowing who our, our good God is and resting totally in him and finding your security and your identity in him. 
as good as my wife and my kids and my church and friends were in the moments when you're on your own and you're just left with your own thoughts and you're having to face your own mortality, you realise, heck, it's just Jesus and me. And then you find out whether your faith is really centred upon him and him alone. And King David went through that. He says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I know you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they, you're, you're my support. Psalm 27, one, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is a stronghold of my life. What, what can man do to me? So first thing I want to say is God made you to reflect himself. You're an amazing creation. You might look in the mirror and say, I'm pretty ordinary. But from God's perspective, it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, because you are a magnificent creation of his. In fact, the pinnacle of his creative work is the creation of human beings. Look at this amazing statement in Genesis 1. So God created mankind in his own image. Think about that, in his image. What the heck does that mean, in his image? In the image of God, he created them, male and female. Basic equality. You ever thought about that, that he made that perfect femininity is, is what God's nature is, perfect masculinity. Not sinful femininity, not sinful masculinity. You think of, he made us in his image, male and female. And one of the great proofs that Jesus is truly God in human form is this mystery, is that what is it that a nine-year-old little girl that's out here and a 90-year-old little girl, when they say, I want to be like him. What is that? You want to be like a 33-year-old Palestinian Jew? You want to be a man? No, 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 no. They see beyond gender that he is God in human form. And in Jesus Christ, we see the perfect feminine traits without sin. We see the perfect masculine traits. He is all that we want to be, isn't he? And we want to be transformed into his image. And to me, that's a great proof that no one, no one in, in human history, religious or political leader or social leader, comes even close. It's a mystery. And it's a great proof that he is truly God in human form. We're made in his image. And God blessed them. Right from the beginning, he says, I'm going to bless my creation. And he says, be fruitful and increase in number. Have as many kids as you want. So Sam, you're probably not finished yet. My granddaughter, Amari, <laughs> goes to me, Bapu, I want to have a little sister. I said, well, you don't talk to me about it. Talk to your mother. She goes, I have. She wants it. I said, what about dad? He goes, no, nah, he's finished. <laughs> he's done. <laughs> God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And he's not saying abuse the creation. This beautiful natural world that we live in has to be looked after wisely. We're to be wise stewards. I was a, a, uh, an enthusiastic environmentalist before I was a Christian. So as a teenager, I loved animals. I still love animals. Um, and uh, in fact, mum thought I was going to end up becoming a zoologist. 
So when I was at university, I, I did all my history and politics studies, but I also did a whole sub-major in, in, in biology and uh, human biology and animal adaptations and behaviour, and, and I love it. And I, I just find it unbelievable that we could be destroying the beautiful beasts that God has made across the world, these amazing animals. I just find it incomprehensible that men, usually men, will get great big guns and go and shoot lions and elephants and rhinos and in, in Africa, or the killing of our whales that are just, you know, to me they speak of, of uh, God's amazing crea creation. And even the sharks, you know, like the sharks are hated. But if we didn't have sharks, our whole ecosystem would, would go kaput in the oceans because they're important. You know, the millions of sharks that eat fish, and they eat, the, the whole ecosystem is balanced by God. We're, 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 to, we're to look after it. We're to look after it wisely. And, uh, and I think a, a true Christian, I think, um, who loves God will want to respect what he made. And that doesn't mean to say that I would, I'm a rabid political greenie. I'm not in their politics and stuff. But yeah, as far as the environment's concerned, wow, I'm, I'm right there. And, um, but it says we're made in his image. This is what I want to focus on. To be like him, what does that mean? To be, it means to be moral, to be rational. Moral, we, we have choices between good and evil. We can choose between what's right and wrong. We're rational, we can think and we're philosophical. We can think about our thoughts. <laughs> That's what makes us unique. Uh, you can think about your thoughts, you can think about concepts, we're philosophical. Uh, we understand, like, like you, know, you, you can't show me three pounds of love or two ounces of, of justice. They're concepts. Okay, the animal world doesn't know anything of that, but they're very real concepts. We, we think, we philosophise, we can think about our, our own thoughts, we can think about our death coming up. I had to face that. Am I ready? Animals, you know, my cats, don't think about it. They don't cross the road and go, oops, cars are coming. I might get killed. Uh, I better be careful. No, they just, they just, they just live and they die. They don't think about death. They don't think about the future. Only humans do. We're made in His image. We, we're philosophical. We're moral. We're, we're ethical. We're, we're um, rational, and we're spiritual beings, unique in His creation. We have amazing creative works. That's why. It just beats me, all this negativity and fear mongering about climate change and little girls that are going hysterical, little kids in schools. What's that little girl in the United Nations with her almost demonic demeanour? Hi, we will never forgive you. Like, I mean, where'd that come from? The darkness in her where there's no hope that somehow... Little kids didn't cause this problem. Human beings did. Well, if they did, like climate change, well, the climate's always changed. The issue of whether human beings have, have complicated it through the Industrial Revolution, uh, the jury's out on that. I'm not too sure of what I've read. However, I think we should do everything in our power. It's a bit like taking out an insurance policy. We just don't know. So we don't know if our house is going to burn down. We take an insurance policy. We don't anticipate a car crash. So to me, doing everything in our power to... to you know, decarbonise seems smart, but without hysteria, without the extreme talk and, you know, little kids that are now saying, we're not going to marry because the earth is going to die within 10 years. Like, what? 
If Raymond Domitian, as a student, an idea pops into his head and he transforms internal medicine that saves the lives of millions of people. Do you know, in the last, we have less kids dying across the world today than ever before. We have more people coming out of poverty. We hear all the number of kids that die of disease. You check out the statistics from 1960 to now, the number of children that are being saved today, the number of, of unique medicines. So the world, in many respects, is getting better. We know there's corruption and evil, but there's some tremendous progress, and we're able to solve those problems. Human beings are made in his image. God's going to give us the right ideas to solve those problems. So we don't have to fear. Be concerned. Look after his creation. We're made in his image. We, we, he, he so powerfully wants you and me to realise how valuable we are to him above all his creative works and he has given us the ability to create. Amazing. You can think a thought Speak it and do it. Raymond Domitian, an idea. Let's magnetise cells so we can photograph them. What? Impossible. Human beings can do the impossible because we're made in his image. When President Kennedy said we're going to send a man to the moon and bring him back safely by 1970, all the scientists go, we are going to what? All the right scientific channels <laughs> didn't advise him. It was Werner von Braun and Edward Teller and, and these guys that, that had a, a secret route to the White House, which they do, like the presidents have their own kind of, and they spoke to him. And I read the report by Hugh Siddy, who was there, the famous Time reporter. And the, and, and, and the president lets them in, and he often did that. He, he actually got people to come in outside the bureaucracy because the bureaucracy always says, can't do it, you know, and he just wanted to go through it. So he's, and, and, and jolly... Hugh City's saying, I'm watching him. As these scientists are saying, we reckon we can send a man to the moon and bring him back safely. And um, so he listens to them for an hour. And he kind of, and as he's sitting there, Hugh City goes, he had his feet up there and, he's, and he goes, I could, I could see the cogs turning. And when he starts doing this, JFK used to go, it's like his eyes are going. And then he says, okay, meeting adjourned. Goes out, 15 minutes later, he comes back and says to his whole cabinet and stuff, we're going to the moon. Then he announces it. They hadn't even created the technology. The computerization to get a man to the moon has less computer power than my little telephone. What is that? Now that can become arrogant and prideful, but it shows the creative geniuses that we are because we're made in his image. We're not God. We have to be submitted to him. But, but we are magnificent people. You're a magnificent person. Some of you guys here are going to be amazing achievers, men and women. God will give you an idea that's out of the ordinary, that could solve a human problem that's never been resolved before. Isn't that good? You're made in his image. Secondly, you are made to uniquely reflect him, but we also need to grasp that God knows you up close and personal. He's not just out there. He knows you. You're not just one person out of seven billion. Oh, well, who am I? You know, like I'm not, I'm just a nobody. Well, you are. You're listening to the devil speak to you if you say, I'm a nobody. Nobody notices me. You're listening to your own negative self-talk and there might be a passenger sitting on your shoulder saying, yeah, you're bad. No one notices you. You're hopeless. That's all the devil. You are made in his image. And secondly, you are deeply loved 
and known by him. He knows you better than you know yourself. Jesus said, I, I know the number of hairs on your head. You don't know how many hairs on your wife's head and she doesn't know either. Because if a sparrow dies, and I notice it, how much more? This is Jesus saying, to, to do, does God care for you? If he cares to have the little sparrow, you have so much greater value. Have a look at this verse, Psalm 139. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. The wonder of new life. When I was, <laughs> when I was teaching human biology, so I was teaching in a private high school. I'm 22. And these are kids that wanted to go into a nursing. They're all girls. 20 girls wanted to become nurses. So it was a private kind of matriculation college called Mutant College in the city. So all these girls are there. So the, the, the principal, Mr. Mutant, said, I want you to construct a course on human biology to prepare them for university. So I get the text out. I mean, it was a fantastic course. And the girls gave me trouble. I mean, they said, oh, Mr. Vasilakis, can we do the reproductive system first, please? So I did it at the very end and made sure I only had two, two lessons on it or something like that. And so I was, I was embarrassed and, and they were cheeky. Uh, but I, I love teaching them. But, you know, when, I, when you think about how, how babies are made, I mean, it, it's just amazing. Two seeds come together. You can't even see them with the naked eye. And then one zygote clicked together, one cell. The genetic makeup of one cell, genetic makeup of the other, forms another. And then somehow it survives through the fallopian tube, which is this, basically the width of one of your hair, which is so small. And at the right time, it gets embedded in a nutrient-rich environment. This gets implanted. And they can watch these things separate. So the process of watching the nucleus separate is called meiosis, and they can tell the genetic makeup the divides in two. They examine it, it's all exactly the same. Same number of chromosomes, same number of genes. And then the whole cell divides, called mitosis. So that's just that's one. And it's twice, four, eight, 16, 32, 64. And something happens, and no one still knows what the key is. It's a process called cell differentiation. Somehow, a chromosome, or the nucleus, sends a signal and says, girl, boy, redhead, bald, blue eyes, rotund, skinny. <laughs> Who's that interrupting me at the back? I wonder who that is. And, and like, the blueprint is there and out comes this amazing child, you. A miraculous process full of mystery and wonder. And during my, one of the things I'm so, so thankful to God is during my illness, uh, my, my latest grandchild was born, little Billy Day in, in Sydney. I've only seen her once. Kathy's been three times. And, and, um, and this little kid, do you know she's famous? She's had 118 million hits on Facebook and YouTube just in the last two weeks, people want to see her. She's the most famous baby in all the world. You don't believe me? 
Her husband, Josh, youth pastor, comedian, he put this together and it's gone all over the world. Have a look at this. This is my child and this is my crazy son-in-law. She's just been fed milk. This is called milk drunkenness. I thought I'd throw that one in. Um, he's a fantastic son-in-law. He's a wonderful, wonderful man. But babies, we take them for granted. I say to my daughters and I say, just enjoy every single day because before you know it, they're, they're walking and they're running and then they're off your hands. But what a miracle. Go back to this verse. My frame was not hidden from you. Psalm 130. Some of you need to memorize this because you've got a bad image of yourself. You, you don't think God really knows you. He knows you. He loves you deeply. He knows you up close and personal. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. What does that mean? We're all a bunch of molecules. Two-thirds of you is water. Sorry, H2O. Then there's a whole pile of molecules and we can break it down into the chemical composition. You're actually part of the ecosystem. You're out there. Somehow, you become a human. And when our time comes to go and be with the Lord, our body will return to the earth. For God could see all those molecules. He could see way before you were twinkling in your daddy's eye. He could see you. He knew you. It's a mystery. He knows you. He says... My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to pass. You are eternal. God controls both when you were born and he will control when you will pass from this life to his heaven. It's not about luck or fate. He is the supreme sovereign over all things. And he's so personal. And he, so, and he wants you to know how special you are to him. So guys, he made you to uniquely reflect him and he, and he knows you up close and personal. Thirdly, I want to state clearly that God loves you and delights in you. He delights in you. This verse, Zephaniah 3, really became a, a life line to me during my illness and I had uh, some of our senior ladies in the church, beautiful women in their 80s and 90s, they were in a small group and they raised thousands of dollars for missions, they're amazing people, what they do and every jolly week they would write a card they'd write a card and sign it with little love comments to me oh man, and I, and I was so looking <laughs> I was so looking, and then when I got better I said to Marge, Marge where's my card? She goes, well you're here now, you're not getting any more and, uh, but the last one, uh, when I came back on the Sunday, a month or so ago, I shared on this scripture, and she couldn't believe it. She gave Pastor Bill, this is your final card. This is the verse that we chose for you. 
this week, because not because you preach. The Lord your God is with you. The mighty warrior who saves. I mean, Zephaniah, where is Zephaniah? Stuck between Micah and Malachi somewhere. They're just three chapters. You know, he's a prophet. You've got to read the context to find out, you know, who he was a prophet to. But, but it's just, you know, it's like it's a little verse. And in fact, his, his prophecy it can be fairly negative. Like he's really hard against Israel. You guys are going to get in trouble because you've, you've been disobeying God and, and the Assyrians are going to come and beat the cheese out of you. You know, you, this, is, this is like judgment's coming. This is, this is, you guys are going to get your life together. And you think, man, it's pretty, pretty rough. But then he turns and reveals to us that God is not a God of judgment. He's a God of justice. He wants mercy. He wants people to respond to him. And, he, and he, this beautiful promise, the Lord your God is with you. The mighty warrior who saves. He will take delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you. He doesn't love rebuking and being harsh. He's not harsh. He's, he's perfect justice. And he says, but he, will he but will rejoice over you with singing. I mean, what intimacy? Saves, delights, loves, rejoices, close to you. I've rediscovered music. During my discomfort, and I had, I mean, I rejoiced, but I tell you, after they did this massive biopsy on me, like, I thought a biopsy, you know, oh, yeah, Cass had one, you know, just a little prick in the breast, and out comes a bit of fluid, and just check it out. Nah, with me, they're sticking stuff in, 27 bits of flesh come out of me to check out all the pathology. Oh, man, like I was really, I got, I got sepsis out of it. I had a terrible infection. So you've got to believe, I, I couldn't, I had no strength, I couldn't even lift my Bible up. I couldn't put my socks on. I, I couldn't wear any clothes. Kath had to take me to the toilet, wash me, everything. I was like, she was amazing. And uh, I couldn't see anyone, not even my children during that time. This is before the operation, really crook. And they pumped me full of, Miracle drugs, penicillin, you know, and which was only invented in the 1940s to save our World War II soldiers. Most of the soldiers in World War I that were shot just died of infection. So we take that for granted, the antibiotics. That would have killed me. Just they pumped me full of these amazing antibiotics to kill that infection. Anyway, so then I came, had the surgery, and oh, there were complications. <gasps> you know, one of the complications was they... I don't know what they did, but they must have compressed a nerve or something. And so my whole right thigh is numb at the moment. It's been numb for four months. Totally numb. <laughs> it's totally numb. Every side, electric shocks go through. So if I go like this, I go, it just happened. So it's like, okay. And I said, well, what's caused that? Oh, the nerve didn't like us mucking around, going through all that fat and, and, and cutting and that. And so, so it's been awful. It hasn't been pleasant. And uh, they say it'll go away within six months, nine months. So I'm just praying and believing. And, um, but it hasn't been pleasant. It's been, it's been difficult. But, you know, there were times when I couldn't even lift my Bible up. And I thank God for my phone, my iPhone. You know what I did beforehand? All my favourite scriptures I put on here. And so I could, with, with, as I'm lying there, I could actually just get the scriptures. And more than that... My support group, I had a wonderful support group, was sending me songs. Oh, amazing songs. Beautiful songs. 
pure doctrine with marvelous words that help me to focus on God and help me to be thankful. And Kath and I would be lying in bed and I'm sick as a dog, <laughs> holding hands and weeping and, and letting the music just wash out. It was like it was like God ministering to me and I felt God was rejoicing over me with song. And I've rediscovered the power of song. And, and for some of you, you, you need to get some music into your soul. And uh, God created the arts and he made everything beautiful. He could have made creation just in black and white. Boring. There's beautiful colours. Beautiful colours. Beautiful Music, the arts, can take your breath away. And I found that these songs just were, were amazing for me. And my favourite was uh, Waymaker. Do you sing that? Waymaker? Going to do it? Not yet. Not yet. Oh, that's great. Uh, listen, if, if they've sung it the last two, three Sundays at church, and I'm sitting there weeping. Kath said, I was just post-traumatic stress. It's not, it's not the anointing on you. It's just... <laughs> She goes, and I said, sweetheart, as soon as the, the, I hear the bar, I start, she goes, yeah, 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 because during that time, both of us, and she's finding the same. And that, that, but the songs ministered to us. There were some amazing songs. Some of you need music in your soul. You need, you need, that's an avenue by which God will speak to you. And because I had a lot of time on my hand, I, I did some research on music. <laughs> it's interesting. Uh, and, uh, and I rediscovered the, the genius of um, Brian Wilson, who I forgot about. In the early 60s, I was a little kid. In the late 50s, a young boy who grew up in a terribly dysfunctional home. And um, uh, they don't know whether his, his deafness in his right ear was caused by his dad getting a four by two and just whacking him across the head. But he's totally deaf in one ear. And his father was very abusive. And now they know his dad also suffered from depression and mental illness. And, but the, the three boys were... were he was violent towards them. The only positive thing they remember is Dad loved music. So every so often he'd get them to play music. And he'd dominate that too, but the boys would go in their room during the screaming matches and just play. And so as little teenagers, they loved, you know. And anyway, so he decides to, to, form, to form a band, he and his two brothers and his cousin and his best friend. And... Um, um, and that band became the number one band in the world. They were called the Beach Boys. And they became, from 1961 to probably 65 before the Beatles, probably the number one band in the world. But people forget that Brian actually had a series of mental breakdowns. So by the time he was 24, he'd produced 12 LPs, 12. But he just, he had, um, he freaked out. Had a series of nervous breakdowns, got involved in terrible drugs, bad company, and uh, became massive overweight, he was going to die. And was in bed for three years, and, uh, and he was lost to the world. And uh, people forgot about him. And he would turn up every so often. And anyway, he's been restored. He's, he's still mentally ill, he's very ill. And uh, he's now late 70s. Uh, but um, uh, when he came back into the music area, and where I just rediscovered him, I saw the film Love and Mercy. If, you, if you've never seen the film Love and Mercy, you've got to see it. It's a wonderful film about his life story and the, uh, the horror of illness. But uh, one of the things, and I saw a whole pile of interviews of him, that he said, uh, uh, they said, Brian, 
And you can tell he's not a well guy even now in his late 70s. And he said, well, he goes... Um, and people like Elton John and Paul McCartney said they learned from him as a little boy. He was 22, 24, and he recreated where popular rock music was going. So he's like the Mozart of, of popular music, what he actually created. And I didn't realise this. And so uh, McCartney says uh, the song uh, God Only Knows is the greatest song he's ever, ever heard. Because he goes, he goes, I don't know what it is. He goes, he brings the chords together and then I just weep and he puts the right words. Beautiful music, beautiful words. And, um, and not all the surfing songs in the early 60s, they're all the, the kids' stuff, but the, the, mature, the mature Wilson. And, uh, and I heard Brian interviewed and he says this, he goes, um, so Brian, why do you write such beautiful songs? He goes, because I, I think God gives them to me. I don't think he's a believer. He goes, I've been so sad all my life. Okay, so I think God gives me music. And, 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 and Brian, do you hear the voices? Because he has auditory hallucinations and he's diagnosed, he was diagnosed as paranoid schizophrenia. Now they're saying it's, it's an effective disorder with some depression, but he hears voices that keep saying, kill yourself, kill yourself. And he goes, yeah, because when I'm playing, I don't, it goes, they're not there. Because I've just learned not to listen to them and, and, and follow them. But... Uh, um, but he said, uh, I, I, feel, I feel the power of music. Just have a look at this. I, I've got to show you this clip. This is where he's being honoured by President Bush at the Kennedy Centre. And uh, you've got to see this band, from, from this, this choir of boys from the UK, that, uh, just to show you the power of, of music. This is not Christian music. This is, but listen to the words of this. Ladies and gentlemen, Libera. Mr. Wilson, we were born a long, long way from your California beaches, but the sunlight of your music can be felt every day on our streets in South London. Thank you. 
one of the reasons my daughter produced a beautiful musical track with her violin and a, with a pianist is to help people who in palliative care who we know that music has a powerful effect in bringing healing and 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 strength even if when their rational faculties if they're suffering from severe dementia have gone and and I, I just play that to you it's not a Christian song but the words love and mercy didn't it evoke something within you ah beautiful some of you need music in your life you need to get some beautiful worship songs and put them in your car at home and fill the atmosphere of your home and your life and it's going to carry you through and you will see God in a fresh way. Certainly that's been my experience. He is so relational and wants you to experience close intimacy with him. God made you. God knows you. God loves you and delights in you. And he sings over you. He's a musician. God's a musician. He sings over you. He's happy about you. He doesn't look at you and say, he's not unhappy. And if you've got an image of God that is an old, grumpy Santa Claus up in the sky, and if you're good, he might give you a present. That's just faulty view. That's a, a faulty view of God. He is happy. He is a happy God. He's a musician. He's an artist. You read the Psalms. You read, the, you, you read uh, what, what David said. You read what the Apostle Paul says about worship and music and singing and and rejoicing. And finally, God saves and spiritually recreates you for a purpose. Though we fell from our original state of perfection in the Garden of Eden and we sin badly, God reached out through Jesus Christ to rescue you and me in all of our brokenness and all of our sinfulness. And Paul says it so beautifully in Ephesians 2. He says, for it is by grace you've been saved, through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it's the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's work of art, that's what it means. You are his work of art. This new creation. If you think the old creation is good, the new creation is even better. Because we were lost in darkness and sin. And what he did was, he reached out from heaven and sent his best, Jesus, to die on a cross to cancel out the thing that separated us, our imperfection with perfection, our sinfulness with, with sinlessness. And he rose again and went to heaven and he said, I'm going to come back to you. And he said, and, and that's when he sent the Holy Spirit. He goes, he goes, I'm with you, but he's going to be in you. We've got God living in us. He's not a million miles away from us. He lives within us through the Holy Spirit. That's why Paul says we have the Spirit of Jesus within us. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Notice this, to do what? Bad works. Good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Notice the order, by grace. By grace, first. Through faith, second. For good works. You don't do good works to earn grace. It's all of grace. God's free, unmerited favour. God's riches at Christ's expense. Faith just says, thank you, Lord, I receive it. And that's a gift. That's not, that's not a work. But notice what it produces. Good works. Good works that flow through our faith because we've received his grace. 
He saves us and spiritually recreates us for a purpose. You have a purpose in this world. You have a purpose in this church. You have a purpose that's God-ordained. And doing good deeds to others is one of the keys to longevity. Do you know that people who do good deeds to others live, live longer? They now know that men, particularly men, who have been so career-focused, when they retire, if they don't have a purpose, they die within a short period of time. They just die. But if they are retiring from work, but they've got a purpose, it could be working in the scouts, it could be growing tomatoes and giving them to their neighbours, they've got to have some purpose that adds value to another person's life. Something happens because we're made. You can't live without doing good deeds. It's life energising. And, uh, you know, there are various blue spots across the world, and, and you can check this out. The home island where my parents come from, the island of Vicaria, the island of Icaros, the Birdman, near the coast of Turkey, is one of those blue spots. So I've been to Icaria many times, but uh, the researchers have gone there, and they're like, why do these people live to over 100 years? You know, they're all these, old, these old guys and girls, and they're climbing up the hills, and they're, as fitter, they're fitter than me and you. You know, one of, the things, one of the things that they discovered is that there's no generation gap in Ikaria. So you live in a community and you've got the town square and you've got the coffee lounge, you've got the church, you've got where they place, the, the place where they call the Banigidi, where they have the, the weekly dances or monthly dances. So when people go out, they go out as a family. So the little kids, the teenagers, you and your parents. And they all live together. So the oldies, what they figured is they really, there's no nursing homes. They re, they're, they're esteemed and loved. So the oldies fill no generation gap with the youngies. They've got a sense of purpose. They look after the kids. They do the, they're out there working and serve. That's one of the major reasons. They say that's a major reason in that they have a sense of purpose and they're, they're there because, to, to add value to the lives of, of, of their children and their grandchildren and great-grandchildren. There's other reasons too. Faith is, is one part. Exercise and other good Mediterranean food. But um, so good deeds will extend your life. Who wants to die at 70? Who wants to die at 95? You want 95, 100? Keep doing good deeds, guys. Keep doing good deeds. Find a purpose. Find something to do within the life of the church. Add value to the community's life around you. And uh, uh, there's a couple of scriptures. Well, there's a statement I want to make. Here's the statement. And I think it's a statement for our churches. Um, good works create goodwill in people's lives for God's good news to be received. Good works create goodwill in people's hearts and lives for God's good news to be received. What you're doing with the school, it's great, good works, adding value. I know where, where uh, Tim and Nikki are down at Ronella South, one of the things they've done in the school, Ronella School, is they've set up a, a group for, for boys and they actually have done physical work on the property. They've done morning teas for the staff already. And that people go, why are you doing it? Because we're just thankful that you've let us use the facilities at a reasonable price. But what's happening? They're not going there saying, well, we are Christians. We're here to tell you about Jesus. They'll just shut down. 
But what they're saying is, through their practical works, good works, there's goodwill being created. And they say, well, why do you do it? So the more good works we do in people's lives, to me it's going to be the number one form of evangelism by which doors will open individually and as a community the more we do good works in our, and I'm talking about love in action, the little courtesies of life, the acts of kindnesses and generosity towards people that are around us on a daily and weekly basis. This is our harvest field, folks. It's how to build bridges with people that, that open the doors of their lives to the message of faith, hope and love through Jesus. And so these are the good works that God has ordained for us. Go back to that scripture. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. There is a ministry role for you to do good works in the church and there is an important evangelistic role for you out there to do good works in the community, particularly a hostile community that is so becoming so anti-Christian, but they're not anti-love, they're not anti-spirituality, they're not anti-good works. If you're a normal person, if you're not a wacko, if you are a love people and genuinely take an interest in them and you do good works and you build bridges, they're going to ask you about the faith. They're going to ask you, why do you do that? Why are you so different? Hey, we can double the size of this church if all of us make a commitment to say, I'm a work of art of God's and I'm going to start doing good works wherever I am. And I'm going to be thinking about my petrol station guy, my, my pharmacist, and I'm going to take an interest in them. So you go to them, you just you talk with them, you smile at them, you take an interest in them. And when they're in, listen, when they're in need, seriously, when people are in need and, and you find out that they're sick or unwell, get some food for them. Like, like you, you play, get some food for them. Or to say, look, you know, our church, we, we pray for people that are unwell. Would you, would you like us to, to be able to pray for you? If someone's sick, or in trouble, they're not going to say no. They don't want any help they can get. But, they, but if you're a nutter, they're not going to listen to you. But if, but if you are a sensible person, that you've built some kind of relationship and they trust you, of course they say, oh yeah, yeah, please pray for us. So I'll do that. I'm going to pray for you next Sunday morning at this particular time. That ministers to people. So it's not good works without a purpose. The good works is to open people's hearts so that they will see that there is a Christ who's alive and he lives within us and through us. Can you say amen to that? Hey, listen, this is, you, you, you are made, you are made in his image. God made you to reflect himself. God knows you up close and personal. God loves you and delights in you and God saves you and spiritually recreates you for a purpose. You have a purpose. If you are sensing, well, look, I don't know exactly what my purpose is in the church, talk to your leadership team, Pastor Sam, the team. If you're saying, look, I'd like to be able to, to be involved in doing good works in the community, I don't know where to start, talk again. And you will find God will open up doors because this is part of, of his purpose for your life. Can we stand together? Let's stand. I want to pray for you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Loving Father, thank you for the opportunity to share with beautiful people this morning here at the hills. Thank you for every man, every woman, every child, all the beautiful kids that were here. Bless them. And Lord, bless every person here. I pray that they have received something from your word today, something that I've shared from scripture, some, some thought will resonate and will help catapult them to see that they're made 
They're made for glory. They're made in your image. And that they've got creative power to be able to solve unsolvable problems. That you've made us to reflect yourself, your amazing creativity. And yet, Lord, you, you know us up close and personal. Help us to see that we're not just a cog in a machine. But you know us. And you love us deeply and you sing over us. You delight over us. And you've saved us and spiritually recreated us as new creations for a specific purpose. And I pray, help them to outwork that purpose, to do good works that you've prepared in advance for them to do, both in and through your church and out in the community where the lost are. And I pray that the light of their lives will impart life to people who need Jesus Christ. Bless them, help them, and for any who have not received Jesus today, may they come to a place where they say, Jesus, I need you as my saviour. Bless them, I pray, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, guys. It's been a joy to minister to you. Thank you, Sam. Uh, we're actually just going to close the service now, um, but I'm really believing that um, there's been a lot that's been happening in our time together, uh, whether it be the prayer time, uh, whether it be the word Willie gave, or, or what um, Bill has shared with us this morning. And I just want to create an opportunity for us to actually just go that little bit step further uh, with the Lord. So what we're going to do is we're going to um, sing a song. And it might be that you just need to sit where you are. And like Bill said, you might need music in your life. Maybe you just need to let these words wash over you as you sit where you are. Uh, if you need to go to, to pick up the kids um, or, or you're ready to go, feel free to do that. Invite the prayer team out the front as well. And uh, Bill will be available at the front too. Uh, if you're just wanting to, uh, prayer this morning over anything that Bill shared uh, or perhaps there's something uh, on your heart that Willie's uh, mentioned and you'd love to do that, we're going to sing and we're just going to spend some time creating an atmosphere here in, in this place for God to actually minister to us. So um, feel free to linger and stay or feel free uh, to move out. It's, that's your choice. But be blessed in Jesus' name.